Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. I'm excited about uh, this morning's message. Do you remember the key word for this year? Multiply. Multiply. How many would like their salaries to multiply? (laughs) Ah, yes. How many would like their provisions to multiply? So think of multiplication, but we're not a prosperity gospel church. That's not what we're talking about. Oh, okay. (laughs) The title of this morning's message is Faithfulness for multiplying is blessed. So you that are working for the Lord, we don't want you to grow weary in what you're doing because in due season, you will reap a reward if you don't faint. So we don't want you to faint in doing well for the Lord. And then those who are just joining the race, we invite you to roll up your sleeves and let God use you. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14. We will read a good portion of his word this morning. Remember, it is his word that when you read it, it will not return void. I always think of it as an injection in your system. God's word invades your mind, your heart, and the joints and moral of your body. Okay, chapter 25, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted them with money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, dividing it in proportion to their abilities is basically what he was doing. So he gave one five and he gave one two bags of silver to one and and then one bag of silver to the last. All according to their abilities, then he left on his trip. I wonder who he's talking about in this passage. Now think of you guys as workers out there. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Well, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them together to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward, probably eagerly, with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. Guess what? I I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Well, the servant who'd received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. 
The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. These are the people, of course, that are rolling up their sleeves, putting their hands to the plow and working for the Lord. Now it kind of goes to the third servant. He is not one of those guys. The third servant, the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops where you didn't plan and gathering crops where you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops where I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, then why didn't you deposit my, any money or my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Well, then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And may God add blessings to the reading of his word this morning. Amen. Well, I want to ask you a question this morning. If I were to throw out the word faithful and you were to give me a, a synonym, give me another word for faithful or faithfulness, what would that word or words be? I think about the word loyal. Some of you would say loyal. What about steadfast, reliable, dependable? But how many of you this morning would equate multiplication with faithfulness. So I want you to begin to think this year that faithfulness is, not exclusively, is equated with multiplication. Now, a little bit of background on this particular passage. Chapter 24 and 25 are about the end times. The apostles, of course, are asking a question to Jesus because he's about to leave. When are you coming back? And give us some signs, or what will some of the signs be that you're about to come back? And Jesus elaborates on that in chapter 24 of the book of Matthew. And then he kind of turns a page, and in chapter 25, we are given three parables. In verses 1 through 13, we're given the parable of the ten virgins. In verses 14 through 30, we're given the parable of the servants, or in some of your Bible translations, the parable of the talents. And then in verse 31 through 46, you're given the parable of the sheep and goats. So God is communicating something to Israel and to the church and to the people on this planet through these parables. One person entitled, The Parable of the Ten Virgins, verses 1 through 13. Don't miss the party. There was a wedding taking place, and five were ready, and five weren't. 
In fact, in verse 13, it kind of tells us a little bit about chapter 25. It says, so you too must keep watch, for you don't know the day or the hour of my return. That's kind of what that parable was about. Some people are ready, some people are not. The parable of the talents, one person entitled this message, don't waste this life. Don't waste this life. And then the parable of the sheep and goats. Don't miss the opportunity to do good to the people God loves the most. To the hurting and to the lost. If you do these things, you will be ready for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's kind of the background. And we're looking at verses 14 through 30. They have been given an assignment. Jesus is going away, an assignment to be faithful and multiply. Let's look at that verse again, verse 14. An assignment to be faithful and multiply. I want to remind you, if you're looking in online, you can go to our app, VLC Plantation. I've learned today, if you don't have an Apple app, if you have an Android or some other phone, you need to spell it out, Victory Life Church Plantation. But if you have an Apple app, it just... All you have to do is put VLC and hit in the bottom corner more sermon notes and you'll have an outline of this morning's message. So we're looking, first of all, there's an assignment to be faithful and multiply. Let's look at verse 14 again. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Now, there's usually one or two big pictures that God wants to give you in a parable. Not a lot. But I want to stop for a moment and look at a couple things in verse 14. The kingdom of heaven. Some of you probably wonder what heaven is going to be like. And you've read some books about heaven. Or you heard the song or watched the movie. What? I can only imagine what it will be like. When I met Jesus for the first time, will I dance? Will I bow? What will you do when you meet Jesus for the first time? And then in the book of Revelation, of course, we have a few pictures of what heaven will look like. But what is the kingdom of heaven? Actually, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven has already begun now. And so in chapter 25, it kind of gives us a, a picture of what that kingdom is like now. Let me give you a couple examples to help you. In Mark chapter 6, he reminds us, the kingdom of heaven is like a seed. You put it in the ground and it multiplies. One seed can make a tree with a bunch of apples on it, is the example that God's given us. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. A treasure hidden in the field. A very valuable treasure that you're willing to sell everything you have. You're willing to do anything to purchase this treasure you found in the field. He also said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Although one of the smallest plant seeds in Palestine grows up to be one of the biggest plants in Palestine Big enough where the birds can rest on its branches and provide plenty of shade for you and me. Talking about the expansion of the kingdom of God. One other one I'll mention to you. There's a lot more. It's like a dragnet 
cast into the sea, a drag net cast into the sea. It's like us going fishing and catching a lot of people in the church or at a revival or at a tent meeting. And, and God said he's going to separate those who really believe from those who do not believe. He said, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. But the parable this morning is about Jesus, notice, going on a long trip. So he has lived this life, he has died on the cross, he has risen again, and he said, I'm leaving you, but I'm coming back the same way you saw me go, I'm coming back in the same way. But he said, I'm going on a long trip. And many of the apostles thought it might be in their lifetime when he would come back. So the long trip tells us there's going to be quite a bit of time between when he left and when he's coming back. Then what about these servants? These servants were entrusted with resources to advance the kingdom of God. He is talking to believers in the church. We are his servants. What will you... Here's the key line. While he's away, he's saying the kingdom is like this. What will you do while the boss is away? Party! The boss is gone. How many of you tell me the boss is gone? All right. Whew, we can relax, sit back, and take it easy. Oh, the cops aren't looking down the road now. It's only 25 miles an hour. And I know I see some of you go faster than 25 miles an hour down this old hiatus road. I also see some of you cross that line over there on that road on Broward Boulevard. <laughs> I'm tempted to do it. I've done it once or twice. <laughs> What will you do when the cops aren't looking? What will you do when the boss is not around? What will you and me do? This is the punchline. While Jesus is gone, will you use this life and these resources for yourself or will you use it for his glory? In Philippians 1.27, it reminds us, above all, we must live as citizens of heaven conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing side by side, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. This is what we are to be occupied with, believers. What are you doing with your time and your resources and your talents. He has entrusted you and equipped you and given you resources to use responsibly for his kingdom while he is away. It doesn't say it emphatically, but it reminds me what God told Adam and Eve in the garden. They weren't to be idle. They were to work six days a week. They were to take care of the garden. They were to rule over the earth. They were then named the animals. So if you ever get these long names for these um, hippopotamuses or all these other crazy names, or blame Adam for that because he named the animals. But he had something to do. He had, he had to take care of the garden. He had to get busy and multiply. Reminds me of a cartoon. He had to be faithful of all God told him, including a warning to watch out for that tree. Reminds me of another cartoon. And he didn't. Anyways, God is saying to you and me, saints and believers this morning, I've left. Are you redeeming the time? What are you doing with this planet that I've given you? Food, water, and shelter. I've given you a physical body 
Are you presenting it to me as a living sacrifice? I've given you skills and talents and money to use. Are you using it to advance the kingdom of God? And for the believers, we get something else that the people in the world don't get. And what is that? A spiritual gift or spiritual gifts to use in the body of Christ. Now, God is responsible. Notice one other word in this, in this verse. He gave each to their ability. God is responsible for to giving out talent and gifts. Whether they use it for his glory or not, they will be judged for. But he is responsible for giving you the talent you've been given. And the spiritual gifts, each according to his or her ability. Not according to someone else's ability. If you were given someone else's stuff, it, it could crush you. Don't look over at someone else and say, I, I wish I had his talent or her talent. I wish I could sing like him or like her or preach like him. Or, or, or I wish I could um, be good with technology like him and her. Or I wish I could act or you could fill in the blanks. Or I wish I had their house. You don't know. I wish I had that family. I wish I had that bride or groom. Sometimes we're thinking we want what someone else has. And God said, no, I'm going to give you according to what I want to give you and according to your abilities. Remember, he gives you the ability. He told Moses, who made your mouth? I made your mouth. So, remember, also Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. So he is looking for labors to work in his vineyard. Okay, so the assignment's been given, five bags, two bags, and one bag. I, I want you to think about this in terms of your life. That's really what I believe it's telling us. What are you doing with your life while Jesus is gone and may appear on the horizon anytime soon? Well, let's look at what happens to those that are faithful. So point number two in your outline, assignment to be faithful and multiply enacted. Now we're going to see them in action. God has given you a talent and me a talent. He's given you and me a life. What will we do with this life? Let's look at verse 16. Well, the servants who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and return five more. I recall Jesus saying, you must work while there is still daylight, while there is still time. He's asked us to do that. This guy got to work right away investing his master's resources. John 9, 4 reminds us, we must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. Someone has said, there's something you'll not be able to do in heaven that you can do on earth. You know what that is? Win someone to Jesus Christ. And so God says, get busy doing the work I've asked you to do. What would ha have happened if the apostles had stayed locked in the upper room? So this guy got busy investing his talent, his life for Jesus. Now the second servant rolled up his sleeves in verse 17. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. 
Now, the only way I can think about this is these guys took the life that God gave them and the resources God gave them and used it for his honor and glory. And I was thinking about maybe an illustration that I can give you, a couple of them. One, if you were in the military and all, you have the Air Force and you have the Navy, you have the Space Force and you have the Marines and listen, what happens if you were in the service and you used all those resources only for your own use in the secular world and you did not use it for the military? I'm trying to give you a little clear picture that God has given everyone a life and many people use those resources for their life only. Let me give you another picture. In the book that uh, Jacob and I are reading called uh, Multiplying Your God-Given Potential by John Bevere, he said, he uses the illustration of Freddie Mercury. How many know who Freddie Mercury is? The lead singer was the lead singer of Queen. And then Whitney Houston. Now, in eternity, think about it. What did they do with their lives that impacted eternity? After a million years, after 10 million years, what did Whitney Houston do? What did Freddie Mercury do with their God-given talent that they were responsible for to use for his honor and glory? Did they impact eternity? I'm not judging them. I'm saying, ask yourself a question. What kind of impact with the gift they were given, how did it impact eternity? That's the question you have to ask yourself with the life God's given you. Now, that doesn't mean you have to write a religious song every minute. You, there's people that operate computers and operate machinery. And, but you can use that machinery. You can use a restaurant like Chick-fil-A. I, I, I want, God's called me in the food business. So, but I want to make sure in the food business, I use this life, I use these resources, and I use this business for the honor and glory of God. If you're an athlete, and we know so many athletes are Christians, they always tell you and me it's a platform to communicate the gospel. So God has given you and me a life. Are you investing the resources he's given you, the talent he's given you, for yourself only? Or are you using it to advance the kingdom of God like the servant who had five bags and the servant who had two bags? Who are you using that talent God gave you? By the way, he gave it to you. If you're a mechanic, he gave it to you. If you, if you know technology, he gave it to you. If you gave you a voice, he gave it to you. He gave you that talent. Are you using it for his glory? <laughs> Notice something about the one with two talents. He didn't look up to the one that had five talents and say, okay, uh, uh, I'd like to have what you have, thereby condemning himself. Well, I'm, I'm not good enough, and look what he's got, and look what I, I have a small church, and look what Billy Graham, look what he has, and I could just feel condemnation all over myself. For I'm, I'm a housewife. Every time I talk to a housewife, I always say, do you work in the home or outside the home? It's work raising kids, amen, mothers? It's a job. You try taking care of 13 grandkids or all the kids that have been over my house the last two weeks in the holidays. Woo, we were shouting, hallelujah, when they all left. Don't mind you coming back over again. <laughs> it was, when Megan's around, it's just a party all the time. 
the one with two talents didn't look down at the one with one bag and, you know, I'm a little bit better than you because, you know, I have a bigger house. I have a fancier car. I have more money in the bank. He didn't look down at that one and begin to be prideful. God doesn't want you to do that. Remember, here's something that will help you. Remember that widow woman in Luke 21 and Jesus was sitting across the treasury in the temple? And remember these people that have two cars and two houses and he's not mad at them because that's what they have. And, and they were throwing money or putting money in the treasury. And this one widow woman walked up and put two pennies in there and walked away. And what did Jesus say to you and me through that parable or through that actual reality? You see, those wealthy people gave out of their wealth, out of their abundance. She gave everything that she had in her life. She gave way more than all the others gave. Now, I don't know about you, saints, maybe a stay-at-home mom, or perhaps you're grinding things out at a, a machine shop, or I don't know what your role is in life. But do you understand God's not going to hold you accountable by comparing you to someone else? You should take joy. You should rest. You should have fine contentment. Look at Andrew. You don't really hear about Andrew after he meets Jesus and goes and finds his brother and brings him to Jesus. And God uses Peter. Andrew kind of fades in the background a little bit. Well, he's not going to be held accountable for what his brother Peter did, but what God put on his mind and heart. I don't know about you, Saint, but that's relieving, knowing that whatever it is that you're doing right now, whatever talent that you have, sometimes there's a tendency for our society to look down on you because of your job or the type of home you have or the amount of money you have in the bank or your position in the service. But God doesn't look at you that way. He wants you to use this life while he's gone to advance the kingdom of God. For the saint, for the saint, he said, seek my kingdom first. Not you, your, my career, my, Lord, with this career, honor you, God, with this career, honor you. I remember when I did a few commercials and, and uh, back in the 90s and, and one thing I didn't like about doing the a little bit of acting that I did, they wouldn't tell me what was in the movie in advance. So you'd go there and you'd play a little part. And I don't know if it was rated R, rated X, or rated G. And then they wanted me to do a beer commercial for Heineken. <laughs> and I go, oh, I'm pastoring a church and they want me to advertise Heineken. And I go, I want to be like uh, uh, Spurgeon when they put up that poster and said, oh, there was a cigar in his mouth. He said, I don't want to be known for the cigar I smoke. But for the Lord I stand for. I don't want to be known for the beer I drink, but for the God I stand for. I don't want to be known for the job that I have, but I want to use this job for the glory of God. Amen? And that's what these two individuals did. Now the third servant. He was irresponsible, notice in verse 18, with his gift. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground, and hid the master's money. 
So he rolled up his sleeves and did nothing. He was irresponsible with this life. I believe, again, money, talent, the weights all represent Jesus going on a trip, meaning he left and he's coming back. And what have you done with this life that he's given you and the resources he's given you? Even the shrewd master knew that this third servant had some possibilities. God does not make any junk. And so he had possibilities and he entrusted him with one bag of silver. Proverbs has a lot to say about the lazy person. So the assignments were given. You see, what they did with the resources God gave them, what did they do with it? You see a couple people being faithful while the master's gone, and they were excited when he returned. They were ready when he returned. They were eager to say, look at, boss, what I did while you were gone. You see how many cars I sold while you were away on Christmas skiing? The guy who sells a lot can't wait till the boss comes back to tell him the good news. But the one that did sold nothing, he kind of fades out into the background, into the lunchroom. So the third thing I want to remind you of this, as we think about multiplying and faithfulness and being blessed, the third point this morning is the assessment to be faithful and multiply will be rewarded. It will be rewarded. Notice beginning in verse 19. After a long time, it seems like a long time since Jesus left, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used their or his money. You and me will have the privilege of what we've done for God. We're going to stand before him and we will be rewarded for the few faithful things we have done. Remember in those passages, it teaches us, you have been faithful in a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. But Jesus is returning with his reward in his hand. Revelation 22 reminds us of that. 22, 12. He said, look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Second Corinthians reminds us a little bit further about this reward. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. That's us, that's athletes, that's singers, entertainers, believers, and unbelievers. But not, of course, about the judgment scene of Christ. There's two judgment seats. We won't talk about that at this moment. But we all must stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So the, five, the guy with five bags, notice in 20 and 21, again, if you're looking at the passage. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. It kind of reminds me that this guy was not rewarded for good intentions. I was going to get around to doing this, God, when I got married. 
I was going to go to church and start serving you. God, I was going to get around when you gave me a job to start tithing. God, I was going to get around to witnessing to my neighbors. We are not blessed with our good intentions, but our works. It kind of reminds me of that passage found in James. I'll show you my work, my faith by my works. You show me your faith without your works? What? That doesn't make sense. Now, we know we're not saved by works. But when you get saved, you roll up your sleeves and get to work. Amen? You will get to work. It is the Holy Spirit in you that's causing you to work, to read, to witness, to love him. Notice the humility also. It said, you gave me five bags of silver. This, this servant was humble. He realized that this came from God. All the resources you have. That's why we try to teach you. It's all God's. He wants you to give back what is already his. If you won't do that, then you don't know who the owner is. You're going to be like this guy. I know you're a hard guy. You're, you're not the Jesus that I've read about or heard about. Now, the guy with two bags, it's talked about how he was rewarded. Notice in verse 22 and 23. The scripture teaches us this. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master Jesus, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I've earned two more. The master said, well, bad done. You didn't do what the guy with five bags did. You didn't win as many souls and you, 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 you didn't invest as much as Billy Graham did. Well, he didn't say that. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount that I gave you, this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The first two servants lived their lives for Jesus Christ and were commended for the faithful servants and rewarded being made rulers over many things. The type of things in Timothy, 2 Timothy, a crown. The type of things, a throne. The type of things, a kingdom, are held out to us as incentive for faithful service. What we will gain in this church age we will enjoy in the kingdom age. Let me repeat that. This is why we use our lives for God, no matter what it is that you do. What we gain in the church age, we will enjoy in the kingdom age. Now let's look at this guy with the one bag again as we wrap things up. Beginning in verse 24, what did he do with his life? Look what he thought about. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I know you were a harsh man, harvesting crops where you didn't plan, you thief, you. Gathering crops where you didn't cultivate, you didn't work. I was afraid of you. I, I, I was afraid I would lose your money, and, and I hid it in the earth. Look, look, here, here's your money back. <laughs> but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servants. I, I knew, if you knew, excuse me, I harvested crops that I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate. Then, then why didn't you deposit my money in the bank and at least I, I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. Ooh, 
talk about capitalism, socialism. I won't go there. How does that work out? And to those who use well what they're given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, as I wind this up with this last person, theologians are out to lunch on who this individual is. Many people believe this parable is talking to believers only, and therefore they're all his servants, Jesus' servants. Okay, if you interpret, if you interpret that way, you still don't want to be in this guy's shoes because here's what's going to happen. It rem- 1 Corinthians reminds us of someone who's saved and living a, a, a life that looks just like the world. Okay, so if, if it's that servant, if that's how we interpret it, here's what 1 Corinthians 3 tells us. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or stubble. But on that judgment day, on that judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. There are some people in heaven that aren't going to receive hardly anything. Notice verse 15. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. And the builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. It also talks about someone in 1 Corinthians 5. That this guy was having sex with his daddy's wife. It wasn't his mama. And Paul said, listen, I've already judged him. Turn him over to Satan. Get him out of the church. He's saved. He said, turn him over. So that his flesh will be destroyed. But listen to this. His soul will be saved in the day of judgment. I wouldn't want to take a chance on being that individual, would you? Because I certainly wouldn't be sure of my salvation. But I do think it's the latter. The interpretation. You zoom out, Google out. Jesus goes away and the planet is here. And we're entrusted with the time and talent and treasure he's given us. And we're going to be judged by what we did with that time or talent and treasure. Did we use it for ourselves or do we use it to advance the kingdom of God? That's the interpretation I believe he's talking about in the parable of the talents. This guy was lost because nowhere in scripture are believers cast into outer darkness. Amen. So, which one are you? What are you doing with that assignment God has given you? Are you being faithful and are you multiplying the talent that God has given you? What are you doing with it while you're waiting for him to return? No gift, no talent is too small that God's not going to recognize it. Your gift and talent is important to Jesus. He is coming with his reward. Think about the girls and the guys in the back that are helping with children's church. Some of you, I wonder how many of you would would volunteer for that or the parking lot duty or, you know, the menial task that gets no visibility. I wonder 
perhaps I'm challenged the singers on stage and those that uh, play instruments would if they weren't front and center would you still use that gift for the glory of God would you use your voice your skills your speaking skills would you use it to bring people to God would you stand at this time as we end this this time of reflecting on God what am I doing with my life Lord, I, I'm, I'm working hard, and some of you are saying you're working hard. Amen. I, I know many of you are living your lives for Jesus Christ. Yes, we know we've made mistakes. Yes, we've, we've sinned, and yes, God's forgiven us. But some of you looking in online perhaps are here today, and you've been using this whole life for yourself. Well, if you want to join the team, God says acknowledge that you're a sinner. Everyone is sin, and because of sin, it separates you from a holy God. You will be judged and you will be sent to hell forever. Eternal separation from God. But if you will believe that God sent his only son to die on a cross, he took God's punishment for you and me on that cross. He bled and died for you and me. And you will acknowledge him and ask him, save me, Jesus. He will do that. And you'll be born into God's family. And you'll begin to receive resources and spiritual gifts and blessings and the favor of God that we talked about a little earlier. You'll begin to experience the glory of God, the Holy Spirit living in you. You'll all of a sudden hear voices that you've never heard before telling you to do things you've never done before and go places you've never gone. All because God now lives in you. If you've made that decision online, would you go to the comment section, enter the tag section, and let us know you've received Christ as your Savior. We'll get some information to you. If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I'll be praying up front with some other believers. We're praying for this church. Don't forget about the 21 days of fasting and prayer. Come on out Tuesday as we all pray together, you want to join us. But you come forward and say, I'm making the decision to follow Christ. You do that as God leads you. Would you come forward and pray? Those who'd like to pray, those who want to sing, continue singing and worship God with me. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.